Please listen carefully. I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. And welcome to Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we dissect it and look at it from a couple different angles and hopefully pass on some wisdom about how you can make your gigs and gear rock and bring them to the next level. We can be found on the web at practicalbass.com. We would love to hear your feedback. You can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, even on Google+. You can also email us directly at podcast at practicalbase.com. Dave and I read everything we get there. We'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for shows, things that you would like to hear us cover, please don't be shy. Uh, we love to hear uh, ideas for material from you, our listeners. And we want to thank you for being here and also encourage you to share this show with your fellow bass players, but also your fellow musicians, because we do try to cover some topics that go beyond just bass, but also really talk to the the larger topic of being an amazing musician. And so this episode is going to be a little, a little different than normal, right? Exciting. Yeah. So we are going to have a a really special guest today. Um, This is an interview that we did tape a little while ago. And, you know, at that time you were actually on vacation. I was on vacation. Yeah. I was in New York, Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hipper to say than New York city now. Is is that better? Brooklyn. Yeah. I'm not very hip, so oh, I'm man. like, yeah. I'm telling, I mean, now you know. We do have a special uh, episode because we mm-hmm. have a world-famous bass player, uh, Mr. Igor Saavedra, uh, who is the master of the eight-string bass from Chile. And yeah. he visited the Practical Bass Studios, and we spent a while talking with him. In fact, we got so much out of that that you're going to hear part one of this interview today and next week. Uh, we're going to be back with part two, where we dive into some different topics. Um, so I hope that uh, you, the listeners, enjoy this. We hope to bring you some more interviews with additional musicians, but not just musicians. We have an mm-hmm. idea about bringing some other people here as well to talk about topics other than bass, but which we think will be good for you as as players. Applicable. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah. Practical. Practical. We aim for that. That's kind of our thing it is all right well without further ado uh i'm going to turn you guys over to uh past me even more past me because that's meta right because i'm past me right now right now you're past you but this is even more past me talking way past you to igor so take it away we have a really special uh edition of the show today uh because with us uh we have a a true master uh someone who is uh, playing the eight string bass and touring the world Igor Saavedra and he is from Chile and he is uh with us here in the Practical Bass Studios. Hey. Yes, I am. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I feel very welcome. Hello. Yeah. Hello to everybody. Hello to everybody. Yes, yeah, so so Igor uh I know you just uh, came down uh, to Virginia from uh, Massachusetts. I think you were doing a clinic up there. What, yeah. what were you doing up? Yeah, I was doing a master class in Berkeley School of Music, and uh, this is my second master class already. And uh, always, it's very meaningful to me when when they invite me to do that, those kind of things because it's like it's very validating, you know. And uh, I have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so. 
uh, the school up there, I guess the, the faculty kind of advertises and then you have a lot of students who kind of arrive to see what's going on, like what you're playing and, and your technique and, and sort of talk about that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they do. And do you also do, I mean, do you do a performance as, as part of the clinic as well? Is there kind of a, a performance side and then also an instruction side? Yes, absolutely. It's mixed. I, I play, I receive uh, answers. I don't answer that. Sorry, questions. I don't answer them, but they can, yeah. they can question whatever they want. They can, they, they can ask, uh, sorry, they, whatever they want. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I answer them. I answer the questions, don't worry. <laughs> so <laughs> then I play, and it's very fun. It's a very dynamic uh, process. Right. And, and, uh, and every time's a little bit different, I guess, right? Every time, because you, the you students change. I mean, I, I did one three years ago in Berkeley, uh, exactly on the very moment when the worst, do you remember the, the storm of the century, like mm-hmm. three years ago? Yes. Well, it was right yeah. there. I, I uh, arrived from the NAM. Mm-hmm. In, in Los Angeles, nice weather. Mm-hmm. And I, when I went out of uh, Logan Airport, come on, it was like 10 they plunged, feet. They plunged you right into the maelstrom. Yep, <laughs> ten, 10 feet of snow right there, man. It was like in, very impressive to me. It's like yeah. trial, by fi- trial by ice, I guess, not trial by fire, right? <laughs> trial by ice. So, so you, have a, you have a website as well, um, and it's that it's, uh, is it Bajo Igor Saavedra? .cl? Yeah, this Bajo Igor Saavedra, this B as in Boston, A-J-O, and my name then, Igor Saavedra.cl. But this is like uh, the ori- original one in, in for the CL is the Chilean domain. Mm-hmm. But for a long time now, you can go straight into www.igorsaavedra, which is .com. Oh, perfect. Igorsaavedra.com. So we're, we're going to include that link with the show notes for people who are listening, uh, definitely come by the website at practicalbase.com and look at the show notes. And we're going to have a link to Igor's sites there. Uh, and also, uh, some of the videos that you can see of him, uh, performing on the eight string bass. And, and, uh, you also do, uh, lessons remotely, correct? Like you teach over, over the internet. As Absolutely. Well. I mean, it's like, uh, it's part of my life as a, as a musician. Uh, I have, a well, I live in Chile, very far. Technically, I live in there because I'm out from there 100 to 150 days a year. Yeah. I'm on tour. But uh, back there, I have 15, always 15. I mean, it's, uh, I could have more, really, a lot. But I prefer to raise a little bit the price, mm-hmm. uh, have uh, the necessary students, and uh, have a lot of available time to study to perform and to have a nice life right you know? right instead of earning a lot of money right. and uh, having no time to play which is what i like the most so i stay there i travel a lot and i have a overseas student through skype mm-hmm. like uh, adam which is here with us adam smolonski he's a very adam is, adam is waving it to us from the the other yeah. side of the studio here one of my best students, by the way. He lives I, in Virginia I, now. I don't doubt it. Mr. Adam Smolonsky is, and uh, I, I am going to note, we're going to have him uh, in for a future episode because he's got a should, special yes. resume as well that we're going to we're going to dive into. So yeah. um, I hope our listeners will stick around for so that. So this is like a teaser for him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He plays extreme. He's one of, as I say, one of my best students. He's been studying with me for four years already, uninterrupted four years, mm-hmm. after graduating for Ber- from Berkeley. Right. 
So it's very flattering to me <laughs> uh, because what after graduating from Berkeley, you can just go there and try to gain experience, mm -hmm. but not information and new things. Right. So, well, he's he thinks it's worth it. Maybe he's wrong. <laughs> he's saying no, thanks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very flattered, and he's a nice person as well. Yeah, so he, it's great. He to definitely know. is. He is. A, he is a sweetheart, and it's great that he he brought you by today for. Well, he did a this, lot. He did a lot, so I can be here. Yes, yeah. and uh, you know, tonight, um, you know, th when this show arrives, this will already have happened, and hopefully, we'll have some some video we can link back to. But you're doing actually a show uh, here in Fredericksburg. Um, tonight at uh, at one of the coffee houses, and we will uh, we'll definitely link to that when when this show comes out in a few weeks, um, and be able to to show people what uh, you know what you put on there, the the great show that you put on. That'll be um, great. So you talked about uh, about about your lessons and and trying to you know hold your students to a certain level, and so that way you know that you're getting sort of the right level of student, and that you can have a really um, a fruitful relationship with them. Um, and so you have, you're, you're kind of looking for the quality of student and the quality of instruction as opposed to just having more quantity and you got the less point. time. So how, if, if a student was looking to study with somebody like yourself, what would, what kind of advice would you pass on to them? What, what should they be ready with when they start looking? What are some things that maybe they should have mastered already uh, how do they know they're at the level where they're ready to reach out for an individual teacher like that? Uh, really, I accept whatever student uh, wants to take a, a classes with me with very, f very few restrictions. Uh, they can know nothing. They, they, I, I can take a student that just bought his first instrument, and I, I love it because it's very challenging and it's uh, a blank, blank page. Yeah. And it's very, it's very like, uh, I love it because I can start from zero without having to erase anything that I consider is just based on my opinion because I, I don't own any truth, but it's what I think is not proper or adequate for him. So I don't have to go through that. I just teach right. from zero. Right. So I take this kind of students also teachers or people that's already professional, uh, I don't make any uh, difference. But what is really important to me is the personal values and the attitude uh, they have towards music uh, and the respect for music and for what they are going to do. It's, it's, it is just mainly that, not a lot of talent. I don't, I, basically I don't rely too much into talent because I think it's kind of dangerous. I, I believe in hard work more than in talent. Yeah. Yes. You, you said something I think that's really important and that, um, you know, I wanted to focus on for a minute because I think this is one of the, the values that Dave and I try and, and bring up in the podcast from time to time is the idea that rather than relying on, on just talent or even just skill that a lot of times it's your attitude and your ability to work hard and be the kind of person that other people like to work with that will help get you to the next place that you want to be. And so it sounds like from the perspective of a teacher, you're looking for primarily in a student more than a certain skill set. You're looking for somebody who wants to succeed. They want that that teaching to be successful. So they are you looking for them to come with some goals 
uh, like for example, if a player is experienced, well, I guess let's start. If a, if a player has no experience, then clearly their goal is just to learn maybe the basics of how to play. But for an intermediate student, is it is it helpful for them to come to the table with some goals and say, "Here's what I would like to here's what I would like to learn." Can can we talk about that? Well, that's totally fair. I mean, you have this kind of students and you have students. The main thing for me is that uh, I want them, I, from them, I want from them, is that they want to learn. They want to know more. They want to play better than what they play actually. And they want to improve. And uh, if they come with specific goals, I, I always tell them, this depends on many factors. And you have to consider, consider that uh, you have to put your efforts on the same level of your goals. Right. That's a minimum, absolutely logic, by the way, requisite. I, I tell them to, to think about, okay, you want to, what do you want to do? I want to be really a world touring solo bass player like you. Okay, do you, do you know how much effort you need for that? Because I'm not a, oh, you are talented. No, I am not. I am not. I have the, I, I, you can't tell really. I, I, I have maybe what is needed. And the critical mass of talent, minimum maybe, <laughs> needed. On top of that, I put a lot of effort, right. a lot of practice, a lot of things. So that's what I ask you to do in order to get that. Are you able? Do you have the time? Think about it. Be realistic with your expectations so you don't get frustrated. And from that point, I put everything I have to help you. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's such a good point that, you, know, you can have, uh, you can have talent or you can have skill, but it's really about the effort that you're willing to put in. And you know, you yourself obviously have been putting in a lot of effort for a number of years to get to the level that you're that you're playing at now. Um, you know, the, you talked about you know somebody coming to the the table looking to be a, a touring professional. Um, what what is life like as as someone who is touring? primarily as a solo artist. Um, do, you, do you have a manager or do you basically self-manage? How does that work? Uh, I self-manage a lot, but I have, uh, so to say, different uh, uh, people who likes what I do and respect what I do, who supports my, my career, that's always like willing to find contacts for me. And like in this case, my, my student Adam, uh, he cares about me. He, he's nice with me, so I said, okay, okay, you will be in Berkeley, let's, I told him, so I will find something to do for you. And he did, for yeah. example. It's just a little example, of course, you have bigger uh, sit situations that are more like complex, like a bigger venue or something like that, but it's, it comes to the same in a different proportion, but it's, it's like, I don't have any official manager, uh, Maybe I'm not that uh, looking uh, for for any too too deep or too. I'm not that interested on on that uh, on going that way, because it works fine like it is now. Mm -hmm. But uh, who knows? I mean, I, I what I do is very like uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, world touring solo based uh, soloists and concertists are very few in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, world touring. I mean, people that plays alone. Or plays alone uh, in the room, it's full. Right. But uh, I play uh, bass. I mean, but uh, this specific field, I wouldn't say there are more than five in the world. Mm -hmm. Five, seven. Mm -hmm. World tour. 
I'm, right. I'm saying you have in within any country you have certain people that's doing good things and uh, traveling within their cities or things like that. Right. Somebody might be doing something regionally, but yes. they're yes. You know, not going intercontinental. With yeah, their that, that, and other continents should be interested in bringing them there, things yeah. like that. Uh, for many reasons, maybe they, they are really good, whatever. But uh, for many reasons, it's not happening. So mm -hmm. it, it's a very, very closed circle, and uh, I'm glad I'm part of it. But uh, it's 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 not easy. Yeah. So the life is is very rewarding. I would say it's like you you are not gonna get rich, of course, in terms of money, but uh, the experiences and the 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 fact that you know you're doing something that's very on the edge. Right cutting edge of what you do which yeah. is for me it's cutting edge of base i mean it's like it's like you can find any analogy it's like uh, working for bugatti in the cars it's like a it's cutting edge right it's it's and and you're doing this it's you know when when you describe cutting edge i i love the fact that your concept of cutting edge is is really from your fingers in the base right into what the audience hears. So you're not talking about cutting edge, like there's not a lot of technology going on between you and the audience. Yes. It's really straight from your heart and your hands right out to their to their ears. Exactly. Artistically, they, I'm applying the concept to artist, artistry. Yeah. You know, cutting edge in this, uh, because there's not too many uh, like uh, commercial uh, I mean, publicity or, or uh, fancy things around it. As you go there, you have your the people that likes your career, that's following following you through, uh, on the media and uh, digs your your stuff, and they go and they support you, and uh, and it's not like uh, massive because it's complex because it's uh, deep things. Uh, it's uh, technically complex, musically yeah. complex. Uh, so it's not for any ear in the world. Which is not good in a way. I mean, I'm trying to. I've been starting five years ago. I've been composing and doing my music, trying to do my music for the general audience as well, so they can enjoy. And it's very challenging to ca captivate these people as well. Right. So, like finding something that, you know, maybe you can hook them into that they might be familiar with, and that kind of draws them into the, the rest of of what you're playing. Exactly. So, so when. When you're getting ready to put these shows together, you know, when you're getting ready to travel and, and so on and so forth, it, what is, I mean, what is the rhythm of that booking look like? Like how do you get to a certain part of the year where you know that it is a, it's a rich time of the year to tap into say some shows in a particular geography or are you basically looking all the time for anything that comes up and you travel as you need to? Yeah, well, you will laugh about this, but I try to avoid heavy winters. <laughs> I don't like them. I just, I mean, I wouldn't uh, look for a gig or find a concert or, or organize something in New York in winter. Right. Maybe in LA, yes. Right. LA is cool in winter. It's just like, it's okay. But the uh, nice can, thing about traveling the world is you can always find somewhere where the climate's going to be just right. For yes, you. I wouldn't... Uh, we are uh, in winter in Europe as well. It's like no way. It's, so it's funny because it's, a, it's such a strange requisite that I put to myself. But uh, I like to enjoy my travels. Right. And I wouldn't, I mean, I wasn't, I will not enjoy walking through the snow. It's not my thing. <laughs> I'm from South America. Uh, Chile is not a tropical country at all. 
it's it's uh, very like uh, California, I would mm -hmm. say, the, the in general terms, the, the climate. Yeah. So I look for that. In terms of festivals or activities, there are certain activities that I usually do not miss because of my sponsors. I have eight official sponsors that uh, I have to work with and uh, respond to, uh, which are, if you allow me. Absolutely, uh, yeah. In, uh, in the amplifier, my amplification for the last five years is uh, Phil Jones' bass, which is, I mean, I was with another great company before and uh, I, I switched myself. as was a personal decision to this company because, in my opinion, are making the best, best, stuff in the world, right. the cutting edge. Now we can apply this this term very properly uh, on uh, bass amplification. And uh, in, uh, for example, I, I, my strings are Labella. Mm -hmm. Labella is, uh, has, well, Phil Jones has a signature amplifier. The, it has my name, which is uh, very flattering. And it's uh, very important, this amplifier, because... Now, what's the configuration of an amplifier like? I mean, I know I know My some amplifier? of their models, but what's yeah? What is your particular okay. signature? Well, you know, Phil Jones, uh, the, it's uh, very uh, famous because they work with small speakers, right? And uh, many people think that oh, small speakers, this is like a toy or it's like for practice. No, no, but not you because you know. But 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 the uh, general people like the people that does not know really too much, they don't think more deeply about it. So it's a good opportunity to use one minute to to explain mm -hmm. a small speaker. Uh, by itself, of course, it's less efficient in terms of bringing low frequencies than a larger speaker. That's why Phil Jones' uh, cabinets do not come with one small speaker. It's about the surface right. of the cone, the, the sum, when you, when you sum up. So right. let's say a 4 by 5 cabinet. You see four tiny 5-inch speakers. Well, this is about a 12-inch mm -hmm. or bigger. I would say like 14, 13 and a half inch speaker there. Right. That's what really matters. But so what's the point? Why you don't put a 12-inch speaker in there instead of 12 little things? Because of efficiency. It's yeah. like the cars. When you have a, a four-cylinder car, why you don't have a very large piston there? Like, it, it makes sense. It's just, it's just one, one, uh, right. one big piston is probably cheaper, but it's insanely inefficient in terms of uh, thermodynamics and, and many, many, many things. So it's, it's exactly the same. When you have four speakers, the temperatures distribute themselves within the speakers and, uh, and the, the temperature does not go up, so the impedance remains low. And it, Well, there are many more, more reasons. So the sound is way better and, and Phil Jones is the only brand that produces, manufactures their own speakers dedicated for or there are amps. You cannot find that in, in other brands. They so they've really engineered them for like from the beginning to the absolutely. end to be part of this array that they are, that is their... their absolutely. Signature. Other companies, they outsource. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, this is in relation with the amps. Uh, I use Labella strings. Uh, that uh, I've been with them for like 10 years. They, they have the whole... Uh, well, the, my speaker. Okay, my speaker is a 12 by 5. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I'm going back to what... To your question, 12 by 5. Right. So it's a 1,200 cabinet, 1,200 watts yeah. cabinet and uh, 29 kilograms, which is like 60 pounds. 60 pounds yeah. so it's very light for a 1,200 watt. Yeah. And uh, my the base head, my signature base head is uh, almost 800 watts and uh, it's a hybrid ABD. 
system is is outstanding and yeah. the, the the importance of that because this this uh, signature amp that you can order custom is uh, that this amplifier it is the best I mean sorry the very first extended dedicated extended mm -hmm. range based amplifier ever made by a company right so it's actually made for people who are playing, like for yourself, you're playing this eight and eight yes, string, highly yes. extended range instrument, five octaves. Yes. And so it will handle from the, the top to the bottom. It seems yes. like that would also work for somebody who plays like Chapman stick or something like that, where you have a very, very large It will work range. for that as well, because yeah. uh, of course, but it's uh, semiotically, it's very, very important. It's, it's like a statement. It's the very first, it's the very first time a company dares to do such a thing. Yeah. So it's very meaningful for the community of extended range bass players. Right. Also, Lavella, the whole, if you go to lavella.com, mm -hmm. They have the extended range bass signature that they put my name to it. So wow. It's quite flattering to do the whole line. It's a statement. It's, it's important for, for, for me uh, as an artist. Of course, I'm not taking it from the point of view of the ego. It's more like a, it's like a show of appreciation from them to me. Right, and right. They're, uh, they're actually like they're kind of acknowledging Yes, that, yes. You know, I take it like there's that. There's very much a class of artists out there Absolutely. That, that, that needs just this that. kind of product. On all the strings, I mean, for seven, eight, nine, ten string basses, uh, but I play eight, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's Lavella, Widner, Metronomes. They sponsor me with Metronomes and my, my tuning forks because uh, my bass includes a tuning fork and I mm -hmm. tune like that live. That's the way I go. I don't use an electronic tanner. Right. Tuner, tanner. How do you pronounce that? Tuner, yeah. Tuner, yeah. sorry. And uh, Nordstrom pickups. Yeah. That's what I use. I have two custom DC8 Nordstrom uh, uh, pickups on my system. Analysis Plus cables, which is top-notch, mm -hmm. cutting-edge, again, technology. They make the cables for NASA, my yeah. friend. I mean, this is like, they are very expensive. The power cable is $1,000. Yeah. I mean. So, you know, I guess the, 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 the interesting thing is, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, there's not a lot of technology. I think for you, the, the, the technology is in the most fundamental part of making your sound as opposed to gadgets that you just kind of I don't of use effects. It's all, you know, just it's the base the way it's made, the strings and the way they're made, the technique that you use, the cable that you're getting, the amp that you're using on stage. And yeah. that is where your sound comes from. Yeah, what brings us to the to a very important asset, which is identity. I mean, you build your own world. I, I encourage artists, and when I do clinics and things, look for what you are, be introspective, find yourself within yourself, and bring it out because if you don't do that, you will be lost. I mean, there are too many good players in this world, too many, but 95% sound the same. Right. So if you go to the ones that are succeeding, what's the main reason they succeed? That they are better than the other 95%? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. They may, they may be as good or maybe some of these 95% are even better. But the problem is that they don't have identity. And if, if you don't have identity, you have nothing in terms of artistry. You have to build that up. Right. And uh, so in my case, I, I, I don't know if I'm that good or not, but I can tell you that I am myself. Yeah. And it's my own world. My, my amplifier, I designed it uh, with, with the company. My strings, my technique, my bass. I invented the extreme bass uh, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, I always say, who know, officially, yes, but maybe some guy in Siberia 
put together one before me, but we don't know. So it's in terms of who's the guy who really came out first and started to develop it. Right. And you engineered that, I mean, I primarily did. for for yourself I did. as a vehicle for expression. Absolutely. Right? And uh, a, a way to, to compensate my limitations as well. Uh, so, uh, and and uh, that was, uh, there were very objective reasons for me to have for for having an extreme base right. and it worked out pretty well. So I built up my my technique, well, etc. My own world and nobody can be better than me being me. That's right. And nobody can be better than you if you are you and that is valid for anybody. The problem is that it's very easy to say but much harder the, to, yeah, to carry out. Yeah, the vast out. majority, 95, don't do that. Yeah, how, so how did you get to the point in your playing? And, and I would assume that at some point you were probably playing maybe a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like maybe more in a standard manner. Absolutely. Right? Maybe not in a, you hadn't really had the idea of how you're going to investigate the extended range instruments and, and what you wanted to be as an artist. How did you make that leap? Like, what did that look like? Were you playing with other people and then you just found that you wanted to express yourself in a different way? Or are you still kind of splitting your time between doing things solo and playing with other people? Well, I, I started very old. I am 52. And I started to play bass at... Not that much older than me, I just have to say. <laughs> okay, good. And, and the, but you look very young. So, yeah, well, I think the, the music must be. They keep always you tell me that yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky. My, my girlfriend is 30, you see? It's, uh, I'm happy. <laughs> you haven't told her you're 52. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but it's 22 years old difference. But, uh, well, uh, I started at 22 uh, from zero after I, I saw a show, a music show uh, that uh, impressed me so much in bass. Uh, it's a long story. Uh, so, uh, my process is, is different. When you start at 22 and you you realize and you fall in love with music in a second at 22 years old, being a sportman, a kung fu martial art instructor, with a very clear life for the future, moving to China, learning Chinese, uh, I was throwing hammer. I was third in my country. I had the third best mark in my country. Wow! So also like a star athlete. Then. I was I was a very into sports, and in a moment, I, and I'm telling you literally, in a, the same day, everything stopped. It was just pow! Wow. Like right then, you yes. said, "I know what I need to like, do." Like you've been married for 22 years, or 20 years, and you literally see and and hear one word for another lady. And you fell in love. Yeah. That's it. In a second. And that's nothing that can stop that. That's yeah. the that's the story of humanity. Yeah. No and nothing can stop that. Especially when this other chick, let's say it, is 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 available, it's there for you. It's yeah. there for you. Is the other lady tells you, Come come here, I, I love you too. Yeah. You know? <gasps> That's it, man. That's it. It's Mary. interesting. You, you cast this in the in that romantic light, right? So it, there was this like you were immediately attracted to the bass, like it something is. spoke to you, and you just knew that I've got to be close to this. Yes, this because is it is a love you. matter. Yeah. It is a lo this is a matter of love. I mean, it's a, yeah. I, I love what I do, and I felt in love with music and with bass in that very moment. Nothing could stop me, and I quit university in fifth grade, six months before graduating. Yeah. I didn't care. I I felt. 22 years passed, uh, and I was not doing what I did have to do, what yeah. I was meant to do. So my process was, uh, going back to your question, which I kind of forgot, <laughs> 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 it 
<laughs> well, I just, yeah, I guess that, I mean, this really does lead there though. I mean, this is how you got into music. And I guess, so, so at 22, you started this journey of music. You're like, I can't wait another second to not do this. Yeah. I have to be doing this. And this is where I'm going to put my energy into. And so, you know, I would imagine that for a while you were probably learning the basics and then kind of getting more experience. At what point did you know that you you were looking to do more personally, that, that you wanted to do more than, say, you know, maybe playing in a conventional way. You wanted to sort of explore a different part of yourself mm-hmm. and that no matter what else happened, that was what you were going to pursue. How did you know? I mean, was that, was that a pow moment too, or was it more gradual? That the very moment. So right at the beginning, back at 20, age 22. That day. So, you, so everything else was leading up to you doing yes, this as a but I knew, I knew I did have to go to the trenches first. Oh, yes, back to the trenches. So That's great. That was, that was a pretty amazing half hour that uh-huh. we got for the beginning of that interview. I almost wish maybe when, when you edit it, like you can do trenches with like reverb and echoed. <laughs> that dramatic, super cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, we'll add add that we'll just fix that in post is what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Yeah. So yeah, obviously this is this is Dave and Paul. We're coming back at you, you know, more towards the present now. Um that's the end of part one of our interview with Igor Savedra, right. the master of the eight string bass from Chile. And we are going to conclude that interview next week. So I hope that you will come back and listen to part two because Igor gets really philosophical about a, several subjects and just his attitude towards music life and how he mm. sort of makes that balance work and how he how he kind of approaches everything and it's it's really powerful I think for people to understand that getting to a level where you are appreciated as a master and you know have some some renown mm-hmm. around the world it doesn't happen just because somebody's a great player. It it happened. And in fact, Igor right. talks about that specifically. You know, it happens because of a lot of factors um, that that people need to take into account, and that hopefully you can put into practice in your your daily life. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll we'll be back next week with part two of that interview. If you'd like to send us some feedback about part one or anything for that matter, Dave and I are all ears. You can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com or you can visit the website practicalbase.com and leave us feedback through the form there. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Google Plus and Twitter, all of the socials, as they say. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you have ideas for um, future shows, for future topics you would like to see us cover. We love hearing about that from you. And you'll also be able to subscribe if you visit the website. There's a subscribe link, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone. You can find us at iTunes on your macOS device. You can find us on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and just about any podcatching app out there. Just search for Practical Bass, and you'll find our friendly black and white logo. And hit the subscribe link. You will get a fresh episode delivered to you weekly this season, all the way through, I think, the end of September, mm-hmm. or thereabouts. 
And uh, we hope you will join us next time. So until then, I'm Paul Freelds. And I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Base. Thanks for listening. I would say like, oh, I went to New York because that would sudden somehow. That's what. That's how it would come out. Yeah, just because somehow that would be cool to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Like a Yenta. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. I went to New York. I went to New York. <laughs> Let me tell you. And then I fixed up my cousin Myrtle. <laughs>